HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by 100 Bogart Street. Do you need a conference room for your next meeting? Learn more by visiting 100bogart.com. This week on a special Valentine's Day edition of Meet and 3, we put a twist on the lovey-dovey holiday. The mission statement is save the world through silliness and chocolate, and in parentheses, launch a chocolate bar into outer space. But I'm having um, some conflict on the board members with the parentheses. That's okay. He cited that in his area there used to be 30 dairy farms and now there are three. You know, dessert was political, and what you had on the dessert table said more about you than other markers of success. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news and storytelling roundup wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. I was recently in Florida at the Naples Winter Wine Festival, benefiting the Naples Children and Education Foundation. I had the opportunity to sit down with the best wine people from around the world. This episode is the Bordeaux Show. I talked to Nicolas Glumino, the winemaker and general manager at Pichon Comteste, and Alfred Tesserone, proprietor of Chateau Ponte Canet, and now Pimray in Napa. Both of these wines are among the most sought-after, critically acclaimed, and beloved wines from Bordeaux. Enjoy. We are at the Naples Winter Wine Festival, benefiting the Naples Children and Education Foundation. Our guest is Alfred Tesserone, proprietor of Chateau Ponte Canet in Bordeaux and now Pimray in Napa. Welcome to the Grape Nation, Alfred. Well, thank you very much. All right, so, I, at least to me, Ponte Canet is a storied winery. Give me a quick history. Oh, not too long, but... No, well, Ponte Canet is, a, is a, it's owned by my family right. and uh, my children. 
And uh, my father had a great idea to buy Ponte Cane in 1975. It's in Poyac. It's really in a wonderful place. And uh, it all started with the family de Ponte in 1705 with the king Louis XV. So it's not a new thing. Right. And I think uh, for generation after generation, whoever were, were at the... Uh, top of the running the chateau, they always try the same thing: is how to do details to improve the quality. So this is uh, in in two words, uh, and right. it's really a, a Cabernet land, but it's a mix of uh, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, right. uh, mainly Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. Right. And of course, it's a red wine, as you know, and it's a Grand Cru classé in the 1855 classification. Now, blend wise. Is the blend similar year to year, or it depends yes, on it's, the vintage? Uh, it's very uh, similar, especially in the late uh, years where I work organic and biodynamic. I want to talk to you about it. And that. I'm certified. So it's very important because I think uh, it helps the quality it's to have more definition in the glass. And so I Let, think it's a good thing. Yes? You have said that you have liberated the vines and reconnected with nature at the winery because of embracing the organic and biodynamic methods, Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. This didn't happen yesterday. When did you, no, but it's really when a did you start, of... and you just mentioned you were certified? Yes, but uh, I, first, I, to do that, I have to have somebody very good to uh, help because, uh, in fact, what we are, we are farmers specialized in vineyards. Right. But uh, I'm a great believer that wine is not made in a winery. Uh, it's a little bit surprising, but uh, wine is made outside in the vineyard. I agree. So it's a combination of things. And uh, once you want to, uh, to improve, you know, I'm surrounded with uh, great neighbors, uh, first growth. So, you know, I want to improve. And um, it's one of the... Start? Oh, when did we start? Yeah. Uh, in the 2000, we came to start to have the idea of doing something. What it was, uh, I really don't know, but we used to start, we stopped a grass killer. Right. And it went by step. And uh, little by little, we got into that. We, were, uh, we saw that we gave life to the soil. And when you give life to the soil, then the taste is a little bit different. Sure. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun. And you get into that, uh, into that direction. And finally, uh, in 2005, I did 100% of Ponte Canet uh, in organic and biodynamic. And then in uh, uh, 2006 also, and in 2007, we had a little uh, problem. What happened? Oh, um, you know, we are in an area where it can be humid and uh, got mildew, and it's a mushroom, nothing to do with quality, but quantity. I got scared, and I went back for about a week and a half, and then immediately I said I was wrong. I should have done that, and I, from that on, I keep that was my a direction. Moment. Oh yeah, that, that, you have uh, to take what's thrown at you, right? Absolutely, and really, even in uh, 2018, I lost two thirds of the crop. So two thirds lost. So it really shows. Was that typical of the region, or no? It was. Why with you so much? Because when uh, when you think you know everything, we know nothing. You know, right. we we uh, we progress in that direction, and I think it's the only way, and it's the way of the future. If we, you know. so I agree with you. 
even in 2008, I went started to work with horses because I think uh, uh, it's more respectful of the now, soil. Now explain why no machinery, right? You can yes, no. It's uh, a tractor is very heavy. Our vineyards are very narrow, so when you compact the soil. You, 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 you're compacting, so you push to the down, and I think it's not a good way for the uh, the, the soil, the life of the soil. Right. So when you have horses, so, but it's complicated because we forgot we forgot the know-how, so we have to uh, start to to learn, and it takes a, a long time. Now, uh, I started with three horses, and now I have eleven. Wow. And I do only f a little bit over 50% of the vineyard with horses. So it, there, you know, it's a complicated uh, but thing. But with the objective in time, oh, more horses, I will go, more coverage. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Where I, where I do always things step by step. When, where I put a horse, I don't go again with a tractor. It but makes uh, a commitment. It's a commitment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, so it's uh, it's wonderful for the life of the uh, property. You know, of the you side. know, you talked about how you had to bring the property back in stages. Was it typical that after the war, everybody was just farming with pesticides and well, whatever the, it took to kill? You know, <laughs> right after after the last war, the. Uh, uh, agriculture uh, in general we had to produce more at a lesser cost right and it was a way whatever but, it took to get uh, there today we are in a different uh, life and i think uh, we have to totally review uh, everything even our even in my thought uh, uh, raising the wine in new oak of course that's what i do that's what i've been doing for years but I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm making research and slowly to slow down uh, the oak. Uh, in, in what do the, you mean by slowing down? Well, uh, I went 60% new oak. Oh. Uh, and I think there is no uh, real reason. Maybe it's fashion. Maybe the consumer wants that little taste. Right. But you know, when you think of a tree, you know, it takes 200 to 400 years uh, 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 to grow. So, you know, we have, to, so we have to do things. That's your attempt at sustainability. Yes. Less oak, less trees. Yes. You know, trees of are course. very valuable. Yes, but years. especially oak trees, you know. Right. They take uh, 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 200 or 400 years. It's a huge amount of time. I'm curious, because you've made such a commitment and a deep commi uh, commitment, are there enough people around you in the region and even in Bordeaux that are starting to commit or it's just not that important to some people? Well, I think it's important to start somewhere, you know, otherwise you always say, uh, well, look around me and, and then you do nothing. Right. It just uh, uh, depends how we're all different individuals and... Uh, I think what we can do, everybody does a little thing, and little by little, it's what's happening now. It's slow, sure. But, but uh, it is happening. Oh, yes. Albeit little by little. Yes. You so know, it's first encouraging. Pe first people start to speak about it. It's already encouraging. Yeah. Anything that goes in the right direction, to me, it's encouraging. Well, I think you're a testament because you've proven that you could 
make a deep commitment. Biodynamics, we're not going to explain how crazy that is, but that's a commitment. No, um, but it does. But people look at you and, the, you know, the last decade or two, the quality of your wines, I mean, always, but they've just been, you know, even more amazing. Twice so, on a row, you know, I got recognized for quality in 2009 that's and what 2010. I mean, and the past decade specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah what I'm curious about is, you talked about it a little, but go into it a little more. What effect has the change to organics and biodynamics done to the wine itself? We know it's good for the environment. We know it's a commitment. But look, even when uh, before harvest, we walk in uh, uh, around the uh, vineyard and we taste uh, the skin, we taste the peps, we taste the juice. Everything has a. I think it's a little bit more, you know. Uh, a little bit more what? Of Just everything, of definition. It's right. A, it's defined it, more. It's livelier. And and it has a freshness. It has a purity. And this is something you cannot buy. It's, a, it's just the result of years of work. Uh, be more and more precise. And uh, what makes life? Details. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that. Now... I agree with you that wine is really made in the vineyard, and it's really an agricultural. I mean, that's my goal at Ponte Canet. No question about it. It's always been the case, but more and more people bring it out and say, "Listen, wine's made." But how do you carry your practices into the cellar? I mean, you're practicing organics, biodynamics. No, when it's in when it's when it's. Bottle is bottle. The bottle will age nicely in the cellar. And no, but are you low intervention? I mean, you're you're not doing much with the wine in the cellar, are you? No, no, no. It's just it's a, a minimalist uh, approach. Uh, well, we as we can, but right. Uh, you know, sulfur. Uh, everybody's working yeah. as in to find what is the best. Uh, but uh, wines without sulfur, uh, they die, and I think it's not not wine anymore. And Bordeaux so, typically is so popular around the world, it gets shipped. No, but know. we age, you know, we we can, a good bottle, a great vintage, you never know when it's going to be drunk. It you know, at the, when it's down, good, right? When it's good at the beginning, it's always wonderful, and it gets better throughout the time. But, you know, wine is made to have friends. You open a good bottle of wine at your home. Well, that's... When things are difficult. That's the beauty of and wine. And you have, it's magic. Right. Great wines bring people together. I agree with that. You said something, and this is sort of a silly question, but I'm curious. <laughs> Are there times when you make a wine and you don't love it at the beginning and it does get better in the bottle? Because you said if you make a good wine, it's going to get better and, you know, you share it with people. Do okay wines get I'm better to, or to, that I'm, worries you? I'm to the level where uh, I don't make... Uh, I, I am only thinking for great wine. Uh, that's my goal, and uh, Makes sense. you know, you are a father of children, or you can understand. You do everything you can for your children. Of course, sometimes there are little details that we miss. We are not perfect, right. but we realize. And the next year, the only problem we have, we make only one wine per year. So every time we learn, it's for the following year. That's right. It's an ongoing process. That's why I have great hair. 
so I'm, 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 I'm doing better. I'm getting there. We all there. get gray hair when we get older. <laughs> Maybe you got a little earlier. You know, you talked about you're using less and less oak, but I, you didn't tell me what you're doing. I mean, I, I think I read you're shifting to amphorae. I mean, are you yes, different we, vessels? Yeah, tell me about that. Well, because we have to uh, raise the baby, you know, right. and uh, needs a, so we uh, design uh, amphora, but they are made of concrete, and uh, to give a little link between. Uh, when you say they're made in concrete, typically they're clay, right? Yes, but uh, uh, clay is spongious. And, right. and uh, you want less yes, porous. And want neutral, right. but I am interested also. Uh, on uh, uh, the exchange with outside, like a cask. And we made some research, and we finally arrived to the equivalent of four casks in one amphora. But when we so made the concrete, we put some, uh, to, to link with the outside, we put some uh, soil of Ponte Canet, some stones. And Explain so that like, to me. Well, it's inside. Uh, yeah. We, what we, does that do? I know it's a it, connection, it, maybe it emotionally. Make, but. Yeah, it makes uh, everybody uh, smile. Okay. But uh, so when, it's a, it's an emotional. No, thing. because when it arrives to the result, you put two glasses, one with uh, made with uh, also the stones of Ponte Canet, and the other one there is a little uh, touch, That's and you it. can. You know, do uh, with uh, some f good friends who are good tasters. There is a, a something. It's magic. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, the region is. How do you pronounce it? Poyak. 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 Yes. Why is that a great place to make wine? We know some of the great wines come out of there. I think I mean, we have a. Growing. I think we have a, a, a soil, subsoil. We have an estuary. We have the Atlantic, and we have people, so it's a it's a combination the of conversion of all those and things. And years after years, people look in that parcel in that block. Is it good for this type of uh, uh, vine or another? And they've been searching, and uh, now I think it's the result of many years of uh, uh, good thinking, yeah. and this is why. Uh, a glass of Ponte Canet is so magical. Yeah, it, it is. It's one of the reasons. I mean, you know, it's, it's not one thing. It's just um, you combination. You've, you've been celebrating some great vintages and great, you know, critical acclaim. Um, that's a testament to what you just said. You have something new going on in your life. And it's funny. You take an old French guy out of Bordeaux. And where do you think he's going to go? Tell me about your new project. It's called Pim Ray. Pim Ray, absolutely. Okay, but it's a, it's a, it's a sort. You know, first uh, remember that we are a cognac family. Right. And uh, my father had a wonderful idea to cross the estuary of the Gironde. And uh, when you run a family business, you try to invest for the future. And where do we go? Where do you know? Uh, my father cognac. Uh, I made a brand out of it called Tesseron Cognac, and specialized in old cognac under the lot number. And uh, it's very high quality. It's small quantities, but quality is It's very interesting. And um, Poyac after. And at my generation, you know, I try to bring the quality of Ponte Canet. Of course, one thing. Uh, but I thought. 
where can we invest? And I look in different countries. I was very lucky when I was a young uh, starting in life. United States gave me my first job. Where uh, and what was it? Oh, I was in in in. I was a trainee uh, for uh, six months, supposedly, and I finally spent almost six years. Wow! So it shows I love your country. Yeah. And uh, when it was time to invest, I thought the United States is a, is a is a good country because you have uh, uh, Napa and where you grow very good cabernets. And I think we understand the Cabernet Sauvignon, we understand the Cabernet Franc, and we understand the Merlot. So uh, I told Jean-Michel, my right hand at Ponte Canet, let's look in Napa, where we can make a wine that I will enjoy. You know, I have my test bud. And, and right. uh, uh, you know, it took us four years to really know where we will uh, be, if we be. So you looked because, at multiple uh, properties, uh, Appalachians, yeah, and and, really, you know, AVAs. Uh, Jean-Michel always came at the same time of the year before harvest to taste the skin and to see what, what it will give. Right. And finally, uh, he arrived and said, really, Monvida for us, for what we want to do. It's our own taste. Huh? Don't, uh, uh, it's, it's the place for us. And we looked at a, a great uh, estate. It was not what we wanted because it was too huge. Um, but it had something very interesting. is a parcel in, in uh, the block of, uh, of uh, vines was planted uh, 30 years at that time by Robin Williams. And Robin Williams, the actor. Yes, and, yeah, the actor. And he uh, sold the uh, grapes to different uh, wineries. So never a wine was made there. But what the interest for us, it on the soil, it has limestone, it has clay in a volcanic soil. And this will give depth to, to, a, to a wine. So this, plus the age of the vines, plus the Cabernets the, and the Merlot, I, we thought it's perfect for us. Um, so it took us a, a while to uh, acquire this uh, vineyard, but it had things were wrong for us. Um, it's a huge estate. I didn't want that. And the uh, property, you mean? Yes, the the the, the now, ranch you, itself. Right. When you talked about the grapes, the thirty it's, plus your your vines, is how much was or is planted? Only eighteen. Acres. Is that what you're working with? Yeah, are that's you what we're replanting. No, or are you like no, what no, you have? No, no. Are you well, adding? I love what I have, yeah, and okay. and first I have to uh, succeed. You know, the uh, name Pimray uh, is not known. Not known. It's the the way uh, Robin Williams planted the vines, and it made from his uh, children's middle name. It's, right and. Uh, so we kept, you know, in uh, in my country, we don't change uh, uh, a soil name. We it be, brings bad luck. I'm also a sailor. You you and honor. On boat, yeah. You are right. But also we don't, uh, you know, on a, on a boat you don't. You don't right. Any. You don't want to screw around. Uh, Leave yes. it the way it is. Yeah, I don't. I want. I want good luck. I do. I don't try to. Uh, and. Uh, Inside of the house, it has a great globe, and, and this become the, the, the symbol of the uh, label. 
So it's really a great venture. So you're into your second vintage? No, just time goes, you know. My first vintage uh, was 16. 16, okay. And uh, 16, I went uh, immediately uh, uh, dry farming and uh, dedicated to dry farming. We even took all the system out to make sure we don't, uh, we're not tempted one day. You know, we have some... So you're dry farming, you're up in the mountain in a the little. Mountain. You have and very intense grapes, I would think. In, not many grapes, uh, but they are uh, of what, I, what we like. Right. And I went also organic, and we uh, went very dynamic, and now we are certified with Demeter. So it's already... Uh, you carried the practices there from the beginning. Yes. And, and yes. quickly. Yes, I mean, and uh, we brought, you know, extremely small tanks, Imagine 18 acres with 40 tanks wow. for fermentation only. And, and it's really, uh, uh, so like this immediately, year one, we know exactly who's what, who's doing what kind of. Uh, so 16 was the first vintage. 16, yes. 17's in the bottle. Uh, 16 is in the bottle, 17 in the bottle. Yes, absolutely. 18 and still. Uh, and even uh, now, uh, this week, uh, last week, I was with my uh, uh, son Noe, he was in the middle of the United States. My daughter was on the East Coast, and I was on the West Coast, uh, launching uh, Pimre uh, for the country of origin, United States. So right. uh, something we didn't exist from day one to day two. We have a, a, a very uh, uh, happy because people respond very well uh, to our work. and uh, Rightfully so. Um, the blend of the wine is it similar no it's to the more Ponte, uh, or you yes. departed and you wanted to do no, something no no it's the different. way it was planted and it works perfectly with the soil it's mainly Cab uh, cabernet sauvignon where we have uh, i think 70 uh, 75% cabernet sauvignon we have a little bit of cabernet franc about 4% and the rest is merlot and that's all grown that's all estate grapes oh yeah right. of course right now do you have a winemaking facility on the property? No, we we have we, we oh we have plans, but it's complicated. But we will uh, succeed. It's it, a why question is it of so time. complicated? Permits and all that stuff, or just the construction? Everything, Everything. because uh, we are on the mountains and we don't, you know, we have to respect the laws. But even for us, farming is complicated because we are not allowed to plow, and one day. Uh, we had uh, we bought uh, Angus uh, uh, cows. We put them in the ranch to clean. You know they are like loan machines. Right. And uh, right after we bought the place, and uh, one day we find them in the winter time. It was pouring rain. We find them in the vineyard. How did they get there? We don't know. But the result, with their feet and the soil, they made little holes. And it's like, uh, uh, it's ideal. And so you stumbled on, on something that works well. Very well. And, and, and benefits the product. And also, uh, the big problem in the mountains is the water uh, runs and carry everything. Uh, and those little holes stop the water and makes, uh, uh, keep the soil. So it's, it's wonderful. How much wine are you making? Nothing to speak of. Right. In, uh, Where is the best but, place? But Will it be in restaurants? Restaurants. And is there a mailing list? And no. no. And, uh, and good stores. Good I will stores. probably okay. 
uh, do mailing lists in time, but that's not my... Right. Uh, it's a limited production. Oh, not? very limited. But it's out there in some For point. United States, imagine 10,000 bottles, what is it? Not much. No. But, uh, no. but If you split it amongst the five biggest cities... But the, the, the wine has to be perfect. So that's Pym Ray. That's P-Y-M-R-A-E. And like Alfred said, those were Robin Williams' kids' middle names. Yes. And to honor the whole process, you kept the name of the uh, winery, um, which is his kids' middle names. Um, Alfred, we have to wrap up. I wish you continued success. Good luck with Pim Ray. It sounds like you're off and running. Um, Ponte, you know, it just seems like it keeps getting better. Kudos to you <laughs> for the organics and the biodynamics. I hope, you know, you are an example and a beacon that other people will follow. Um, thank you to Alfred Tesserone. Alfred is the proprietor of Ponte Canet in Bordeaux and now Pim Ray uh, in Napa. I'm Sam Ben Rubin. You've been listening to The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. This episode was brought to you by 100 Bogart, a new building in Bushwick, Brooklyn, with meeting and event spaces available for on-demand booking. Looking for the next perfect outdoor location for your next gathering? Host your next event at 100 Bogart's impressive rooftop, just steps away from the Morgan L stop. It's one of the largest and tallest roof spaces in Bushwick, boasting 360-degree views of Brooklyn, Manhattan, and Queens. 100 Bogart's rooftop is available for your next networking event, fundraiser, special performance, or photo shoot. There's approximately 5,000 square feet ample space for up to 100 guests. For more information on hosting an event at 100 Bogart's rooftop, email info at 100bogart.com or call 718-362-3539. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey on the Heritage Radio Network. We are at the Naples Winter Wine Festival, benefiting the Naples Children and Education Foundation. Our guest is Nicolas Glumino, uh, winemaker at Chateau, and help me with this, because there's all different names, Chateau Pichon, Longueville, Comtesse de Lalande. Perfect. Is that the official name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why we what used you, to what? say Pichon Comtesse, okay. to make it a bit short. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, but officially it's the wall name. Okay, and title? You are general manager, general manager and winemaker. And winemaker. Yeah. Okay. Nikolai, welcome to the Great Nation. Thank you. Thank I, I was excited to see that you were down here because we come down and we do a bunch of interviews and there haven't been a lot of Bordeaux people down here in the past. So it was nice to see that you uh, came down. So what I want you to do is I want you to give the listeners a little context. Give me a brief history of 
the Chateau. It's a very storied Chateau, very well known, you know, making terrific wines for many years. Give me a little background on your journey in life and wine, how you got there, and also uh, a little history. Okay, okay. So, um, hi, Sam. Thank you for having me. Um, well, talking about the, the history of Bichon, it's talking about the history of Bordeaux, so it can be very long. So I, I'm going to try not to annoy you too, not too much. You will never annoy me. <laughs> um, well, actually, we think that the first vines planted in the, the neighborhood of the chateau uh, were planted in, a, well, in the Middle Age something like this but at that time no official label just uh, uh, I don't even know if people made some wine with the, with the grapes but probably they did but it was for a very uh, domestic very uh, right. uh, personal consumption but anyway uh, we have to uh, to reach the mid 17th century to see um, a wine merchant of Bordeaux discovering this piece of land uh, near the river um, and the Gironde, composed by big gravel, and um, this guy understood quickly that it was a perfect place to plant some vine, to make some wine. Um, and in our neighborhood, we have Chateau Latour, Léoville Lascaz, uh, so the uh, Pichon Longueville um, is located on the stamp on the map, but where conditions are fantastic to make wine and to grow vine. Um, a few. Now that is the Polak. Did I pronounce po Polak? Polak region. Yeah, exactly. Which is, this you're is... alluding to the wonderfulness of that area, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. This is the south of Polak and north of Saint-Julien. You okay. know, from Bordeaux to um, right. to the ocean on the left bank of the river, you have four main appellations, which are uh, from south to north: uh, Margaux. Saint-Julien, Poyac, and Saint-Estèphe. And actually, the more north you drive, and the more gravelly, dry, and draining of the soil. So potentially, the more tannic and powerful are the wines, because on that kind of soils, you have a lot of cab planted there. Um, why? Br very briefly, because our, our job as vine growers is to help the vine to stop growing in the middle of the season, to help it to concentrate its efforts on the maturation of fruits. Um, and Cab, Cabernet Sauvignon, is a very late varietal, meaning that it, ripe, it ripes yeah, much later than Merlot. And so because we have dry and draining soils, we give have... Me, give me a context. Are you talking about harvesting a week, two, three weeks later? Oh, it's... It could uh, be that long? Uh, two weeks later. Okay. Yeah, for instance, uh, thinking of uh, those recent years, we have started the harvest, um, um, let's say, mid-September. Uh, with the Merlot uh, during one week to ten days, then we have the Cabernet Franc during one to two days, and then we can wait a few more days before the caps off uh, perfectly arrive. So, uh, and then we start picking them uh, until mid-October. Mm. So our harvest lasts something like, yeah, almost one month. Um, and caps off need to be planted on a very dry and draining soil because the drier is the soil and the more rapidly the roots gonna drink all the water stock around them and once the vine has no water to drink it stops growing and then it's this very signal to tell to the plant okay now let's focus on the fruit maturation 
And instead of ripening in late October, early November, because the soils are very draining, the water stock reach an end and is, is empty very early in the season, and so the cat anticipates its uh, ripening um, moment. Does it struggle even a little? Yeah, exactly. Which exactly. We are used the complexity. To say, and, exactly. Yeah. So through the uh, uh, the struggling, you get the complexity of the wine, the the very earthy um, expression of terroir. That's kind of uh, clear. One thing up for me. You said as you move north, uh, more gravelly, more grain uh, drainage. Yes. But you said that leads to more tannic wines? Yeah, potentially if you have a look on the wines made in Saint-Estèphe, right. north of the left bank, uh, think of Chateau Montrose or Cos d'Estournelle, the wines are potentially richer and more powerful than anywhere in Bordeaux. Uh, and in Pauillac, you have many examples of very powerful wines. Right. And the very specificity of our vineyards at Pichon Comtesse is that we are located on the border, if I may say, on the border between Saint-Julien South and Pauillac North. I've this feeling that it gives to, to our wine this complexity. Well, you used to say that Pichon Comtesse is the more uh, feminine or the more Saint-Julien style wine produced in Pauillac. It's not by chance. It's not right. by chance. It's, it's, it's the terroir. And, exactly. You know, all of that. Um, let's talk about the wines. You know, you talked a little about the soils, the area, how important it is. Um, if we talk about Pichon Lalande, I mean, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've drank it a lot of times. It's a voluptuous, fleshy, it's a feminine wine. You're not offended by the fact that it's a feminine wine, are you? No, no, I'm not. So I'm not. tell me about the blending, the aging. You know, tell me about, I, I guess, you know, the cellar process and all of that. You know, it's a, a, very, a good question to, to make the, the relationship between history and the technical reality of our old age job. I mean, um, okay, Pichon Comtesse has had the bigger amount of Merlot in Pauillac compared to the, 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 the other, other wineries. Wine. So that has always been mainly cab. But the proportion of Merlot has been always very high until reaching 40 to 45 percent of the grape in the vineyard. So that that's a lot. Think of our um, our neighbors; they, they don't have more than 20 percent of Merlot. So it yeah. was a lot, yeah. um, and uh, that's probably because um, uh, in the past the former owners really enjoyed the Merlot taste and they planted a lot. At that point, you have to, to add the fact that um, many ladies have run this winery. The former owner, the very former owner, is a lady, Madame de Lancassin. She now lives in, in South Africa. Um, and she's the lady who sold the winery in 2006 to uh, the Rousseau family, uh, the uh, Louis Roderer Champagne Louis House. Um, she is a lady as well. So you can consider a lot of Merlot, a lady running the winery. It's La Comtesse compared to Le Baron, so it's a, fem I mean, it's a feminine name. Everything points Everything. The marketing was absolutely obvious. It's all about the, 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 yeah, 
the, the, the feminine approach of right. wine. In every sense. Exactly. And what is funny, and um, two points, when the Rosso bought the, the winery um, 14 years ago now, um, they first asked for a geological map of the vineyard, a soil and undersoil map of it. It has never been done. A little analysis, right? Exactly. Yeah. You, you know, they are winemakers and vine growers from generation to generation, back to basics. Um, and that was very interesting, first, to know that uh, we had we could not take the benefit of a, a map, so we had to, to do it. Uh, it took a few years because you have to grab m many holes in every, um, and to dig in every, um, uh, every plot. So we have right. something like 80-something 80 80 plots, so it's a lot of, of work and it takes time before drawing this, this map. Um, but just the, the idea was to say, okay, the reputation of a growth is what it is, but is it the truth compared to what we call le terroir. Um, is the, are the amounts of each grapes really adapted to the soil and undersoil of each plot? That was the question. So time to draw this map and to try to, to pair the grapes proportions and the new map. And just to have a look and to say, oh my God, but there are a few plots on which we shouldn't we shouldn't have planted some Merlot, but more Cab, that's, that's for sure. The Merlot were good, but Cab will be fantastic. Right. you did it just because you did it, not because it was... Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And um, as for me, when I jumped to, when I jumped to Pichon Comtesse late so 2012... for context, Roderer came in and bought it what year? In late 2006. Right, and you came in... Six years later. Right, so you worked you know, with them and all this was starting to go on. Exactly. So exactly. it sounds like you're going to point towards the fact that a little less Merlot now. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And for but based um, on science and analysis. Exactly. But, you know, back to the, back to the, the past and the, the history of Pichon. Um, day two or three, when I jumped Pichon, I asked the cellar master to open a vertical tasting to me, uh, for me. And uh, I was expecting him to open... I don't know, 10 or 12 different vintages, only the best ones, you know. And, uh, and uh, the funny thing that um, one morning I, I arrived at the chateau, he said, okay, the, uh, the vertical tasting is ready for you. And he opened 1970, 2010, each single vintage. So 41 different vintages. Oh, whole vertical. To, oh, yeah, vertical. Oh my God. And, and that was so interesting. First, because when you're passionate into wine, it's, it's a, such an exercise. So uh, it was a long day, a tough day, but it was yeah. a good day. I'll take it any day. Uh, yeah, yeah, something like it took five hours before taking time to, uh, to rediscover each vintage to take notes and so on and to figure out what was your biggest takeaway from that i mean were there things that were so obvious and things that prompted you to push toward change yeah uh the best ones to me to my taste the best pichon comtesse are much more poyac style than margot or saint julien or a very light style at all uh, they are very poyac style and cab caps off 
they're all about the expression of Cabernet Sauvignon. I think of uh, the 80s, 82, 83, 89, 96, for sure. 2009, uh, they are all more than 75 or 80% cab, yeah. despite of the, the, the reputation of the growth. The greatest Pichon Contes are much more cab than Merlot, even if the Merlot are good. Right. So the, the communication is something, and the truth is sometimes a bit different. Um, and I think that today we have um, um, a replanting program. So we put out three hectares out of 90, 90. Uh, we pull out three hectares of vine every year. We let the soils having a rest during three years, and then we replant. So you don't replant right away? No, no, and no. when you pull out, are you pulling Merlot and replacing Cabernet or not necessarily? You're just... Well, we pull out the vines when they are very old. Right, you know. you're doing uh, that anyway. Yeah, but I must say that it's mostly Merlot that is... That is uh, being replaced. Yes, exactly, okay. by Capsov. Um, and the idea is to, uh, to have finally something like 20 to 25% of Merlot in the vineyard. 65 to 70% caps off, and the rest 10 more percent of cap franc and a sip of Petit Verdot. Verdot. Yeah, yeah. Now that's the percentage of what you're planting in the vineyards, right? Yes. Does that yes. follow through to the blend? Absolutely. It's pretty and, close. Yeah, right? yeah. And uh, it's and it's not by chance. When you have a look on the, the, the blend of the best vintages made by Pichon Comtesse, and that you have a look on what will be the uh, what will be the, the, the amount of each grape in the future based on scientific knowledges that they are very close to each other. Right. So um I think we are, uh, it's just the beginning, it's, we, so as we, we I'm used curious to say. because, you know, you make one of the wines that's so well known and, you know, you have a, a large following for many years, young, old. When you start changing the wine, do people push back? Do you hear from them? This isn't the wine that I had five vintages ago or, you know, why is this wine more masculine i don't know what the words but yeah do, do you get a lot of that or it was an evolution and so uh i i think that the the very reflection we have that the challenge we have to deal with and that is not obvious to deal with is making our wines evolving the proportions evolving but keeping what makes pichon contest right. unique and um being inspired by the past to write a new chapter. Um, right, you didn't change anything, you just went back to what it really was, or at least the area. Exactly, and if I have a look on uh, what the, the critics or um, the, um, the, our amateurs, which are very loyal to, to the brand, say about uh, 2000, the series of uh, 2014, 15, and above all 16, 17, 18, uh, believe me, they have this feeling that they are still at Pichon Comtesse, but it's the evolution is remarkable. They have something on top. They have something that they can't express because it's still Pichon Contest, but they have more density and sharpness than in the past. I, I, I'm not about to say that it was uh, not that well made in the past. It's just that no, things no, it's evolved. a different thing. It, it, it's, it's a different, different. Wine. Yeah, yeah, a different blend and all. Yeah, yeah. That, that's but clear. it's always Pichon Contest. Right. Now, like any big good winery you make a second and third wine um, does that philosophy carry through to those or you could keep more Malo in some of the I mean 
similar? Yeah, yeah it's similar. Um, we have uh, 80 plus plots. Um, I'm used to, to, to tell to my technical team, let's do as if someday we make 100% of the premium wine, you know? Uh, obviously we won't because you have sometimes one or a few plots don't right. adapt themselves to the weather conditions and so on. So uh, the wine is not that <coughs> complete and uh, so we, we do a selection. But we vinify each plot separately and then the blending sessions that we run in right now in January, January and February following the harvest, the first sessions we run them blind. I don't want to know where the wines come from. This plot, okay, maybe it's a, a historical, very good, very good plot, but what about this year? What about 19, which was such an enlightened and dry uh, vintage, but very good dry. or tough. Oh, it's great, just outstanding. So look out for uh, yeah. 19. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, sure, sure. Um, 16 was good, 17 was okay. Yeah, and 18 and 19 are, right, are on top. So yeah, you had yeah. a pretty good run. Uh, I think I think that as we've made the comparison between 2009 and 10, we're gonna have exactly the same kind of comparison between 18 and 19. 18 is like all nine, very voluptuous, very um, 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 thick and and, and expressive and show off and, and 10 and 19. To the contrary, are very sharp and very are all about the minerality, the tannic structure. Very long, very intention. That that's fantastic. That's much more my style. I would say it sounds good. Um, you were saying before that you blind test taste the plots. Yes. Individually. Yeah, yeah. Is it what people imagine? You're in a room with what beakers or vessels with each thing and. You're That's tasting exactly. everything, and then you start blending. <laughs> you know, you have a, a table with the um, uh, 70 to 80 different bottles. And, Jesus. Okay, and you taste all of them, starting with the Merlot, selecting the best ones, then the cap, caps off. Selecting the best ones blind. Yes, yeah, 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 of course. And then the caps off the same, a few cap frank, and then we have the press wines. So the, the tasting of press wines to me is a f fantastic moment. You, you have something wow. like 250 different barrels of press wines, and you taste each of them. Each of them, selecting the quality A, B, C, D, E. And um, uh, to me, this is the, the press wine is the emerge part of the iceberg you know it's um tip of the, the iceberg oh yeah 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 exactly the right uh, there's it's, way more to come exactly right. and uh, it's all about the good job done uh through the um in the vineyard how ripe were the uh, the grapes when we pick them we pick them and uh, and it's all about uh the expression of how you um, extracted the components of, through the, the vinification process. Um, if the press wines are good, that means you have well, you, you have worked well. For, for, so for me, it's right. uh, it's a crucial tasting. And so, yeah, back to your question, it's uh, yeah, you have dozens and dozens of bottles, and then you select, and then you start blending, blending exactly. And once you, uh, and you're surprised every now and then. Like a Every blind, year. 
beaker container is like you thought it was something else and it's a wow it exactly. showed this year like never before exactly um the, the the blending session is the very moment of the year when there is part of creation in our job it's all about agriculture empirism scientific knowledges but sometimes there is part of uh, no i shouldn't say art because it's not that humble but uh, you are creating something new every year but Keeping in mind that you work for Pichon Contest, right. so it's many components to all together. Style, but there's yeah. you know you have to be what you are and were and all of that. But what is for sure that when you really want to serve your terroir, this terroir and its expression is stronger than yourself. So you do your best to try to help it to reveal itself. But finally, that's why year after year it's Pichon Contest because the the footprint of the terroir, on the taste, on the structure of the wine is so huge that it's useless to try to to be better or more powerful than it. That's yeah. for sure. Um, we only have a couple of minutes left. I told you it was going to go fast. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about how important sustainability is and some of your practices, you know, in the field and what you're doing and if you're moving towards. Okay, so... Um, I think that uh, there are some very good organic wines, some very bad ones. There are some very good wines made in biodynamics, some some bad ones. Uh, I, I mean, it's not because it's organic or bio right. that it has to be good. But what is for sure is that those new practicals help us to be back to earth, back in the vineyard. Uh, and giving that's giving, important yes that's important you must go in that direction yes yes yeah. of course yeah. of course I don't know if the global climate change it's not only the global warming it's climate change I was just going to say I now use the term climate change yeah because it is not just global warming. exactly some places are cyclical is it a cycle how long will it last I just don't know is it because of our practices I just don't know but we have to adapt ourselves and uh, let's take the benefit of this changing to uh, to think about our practicals and uh, yeah it, it's fair to try to 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 do better what is for sure is that uh, thanks to our replanting program I, I've described um, the three hectares we replant every year we grow the vine immediately in biodynamics so that means that I enlarge the size of the vineyard in biodynamics of three more hectares every so year. So replanting and the addition comes back as biodynamic. Exactly. So then it's a plan that as it goes out becomes more... The point was that um, if you try to convert a, 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 a vine ground in sustainable to biodynamics just in one year, it's going to take years before trying to observe a, a changing in the how, how the vine um, its behavior and, and so on, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't conclude that it doesn't work just because I can't see anything. So that's why I prefer um, growing um, the new vines from the very start, and then the vine evolves in such an environment that it's um, um, it's new life. It's not a new life. It's it's life. Right. Is under so biodynamics. And for us, three more hectares every year um, allows us to, to take time to try to understand, to educate ourselves, to notice, to observe changing, to run experimentations. Um, and year after year, we learn a lot. So uh, 
that's uh, a yeah, yeah, that's a good a experience good and experiment. I'm glad oh. to hear that. Um, Nicola, we have to wrap up. I want to thank Nicola Glumino. Nicola's the uh, winemaker and general manager at Chateau Pichon Comtesse. Yeah, I yeah. Say that way too. <laughs> thank you for joining us on the Great Nation on the Heritage Radio Network at the Naples Winter Wine Festival. I hope. To see you when I'm uh, in uh, France. Yeah, yeah, doors are open. Please let me know. Thank Thank you you for coming by and sitting. Thank you, Sam. Thank Thank you. you. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.